Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, and good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. And today... It is my Christopher Day, so I have Christopher Papadopoulos with me, the author of the amazing book, Peace and Where to Find It. We've been doing several shows, and I just, I love having you on, Christopher. You, you know, you, you have a real gentle way of helping us sort of see a different thing and really helping us get into the body so that we can be in the presence and, and in the now moment and really honor our spiritual journey and how to find that place where we can feel peace, which I thought today, you know, we just got through our Canadian Thanksgiving. I know the American Thanksgiving is still a ways off. So we're, we're a little ahead of, we're a little ahead of you guys. We kind of do ours in, in relation to harvest time. And I know you guys in the States do it a little bit differently. Something about uh, the first meeting with the native Indians. (laughs) Anyway, so But, you know, Thanksgiving, overeating, you know, all of those holidays as we move into that holiday season. I mean, these are the times where at least one type of addiction, but I think a couple addictions kind of fall in there. The overeating ones, maybe drinking too much. If you have to see family, maybe taking a few recreational drugs or (laughs) over-the-counter drugs, (laughs) prescription drugs. So, you know, there might be a few there or or smoking. So I thought we'd talk about addiction because it is, you know, it's one of those areas that are really, people, I people don't realize why we have addictions and we all have addictions. So you may not have an addictive personalities to like, I don't, I don't smoke. I've never been addicted to coffee at all. I can't actually drink it. Um, So people, when they think of addictions, they think of the, you know, they think of smoking, drinking. um, They think of uh, drugs, but there is so much more to addictions. And I would say, you know, I have a friend and she was saying, oh, I don't have an addictive personality. It's like, well, I'm going to say you're addicted to exercise. We all pick something that makes us, well, it distracts us from something that's uncomfortable. So, you know, some people it's out of boredom. Some people it's anxiety around the holidays. Some people like we have, we all are addicted something. So anyway, welcome to the show again, Christopher. Hi, it's wonderful to be here again with you, Lori, and, and hello to everyone listening. And so let's let's play this. Let's uh, let's have some fun and talk about this because sure. it's 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 an important topic because I think people like there are a lot of people that I know that say, "Oh, I don't have any addictions." It's like, yeah, you do. I mean, we all do. Yes, I would agree. The the ones like you're saying we normally talk about and alcohol and drugs and things like that and 
uh, at least now science supports the fact that we can be uh, also uh, addicted to food for a variety of reasons. And like they're saying that the way sugar and salt and fats uh, affect us in the brain, just like, uh, you know, um, drugs do. So, well, in fact, I would say, you know, sugar is a drug. I mean, people don't realize it, but it really is a drug. And the way we were brought up as children, we were rewarded with sugary crap. So a lot of us, you know, when we want to feel good, we'll still choose something sugary or, you know, a lot of women, (laughs) this is not a man thing. This is definitely a woman, you know, around that time of the month, you know, we crave salt and sugar. And there's a reason why our body craves it. But at the same time, I mean, sugar is they say one of the most addictive and one of the most um, harmful of all the drugs that we just, that we are not, it's not on our radar. Yes, I would agree. It's uh, very potent in how it affects the body and how it affects our moods. Um, I liken it to, and and really all kinds of sugars, but really in particular the refined sugars. It's the refinement of almost anything and the concentration of anything that turns anything from uh, there's maybe something, you know, um, enjoyable to something that's very, very uh, potentially addictive to the body. For example, um, in South America, for centuries or more, um, the indigenous people uh, would take uh, coca leaves and chew on coca leaves. And they, and they would also dip into a little pouch that had some lime powder. And they would put that in their mouth at the same time. And it would create a natural, very mild, enjoyable feeling. And it would help them with hunger, with altitude sickness, and give them energy to work through the day. So it's, it's, these people have been doing it for a long time, and they're not, you know, ending up with the, the strong negative effects of uh, of addictions of something we're familiar with from coca leaves, which is cocaine. And that is something that's been extremely refined and concentrated. And it's the same thing with, you know, you have natural sugars and fruit, for example, but then you have the extremely refined version that really. Um, affects our bodies in often negative ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it really, people just, I mean, we don't think of it. It's not on our radar, but it's, it really is, it's really becoming a problem. Now, the alternative that a lot of people used to go for, I mean, people are turning that away in the, um, you know, we used to go for the diet stuff, which is probably far worse for your brain. But I mean, this is the problem. Like we're always looking for some way to have that sweet, you know, and it's like, and, and it really is because of the way we were brought up and rewarded with, with something. So it's like that, but we don't, I mean, some of it is an emotional connection, but what it's doing physically is just so harmful and people just don't get it. Yes. And they don't get how hard it is to give it up either. <laughs> but once you can do it for, if you could do it for 21 days, you know, you've pretty much stopped it. But the problem is, is that you have to be so aware, so aware of those moments um, that all of the other things that have sugar in them, like things that you just, I mean, meats have sugar in them. Like you just, you're not realizing how many um, products that are already made um, have 
have sugars or wheats, like the things that we really need to get away from, like, you know, and so many things turn into sugar in our bodies. So it's like we, you know, we have to be so aware so that we can, so that we can really get rid of it. But yeah, there are, there are movies and there's all sorts of stuff about how deadly sugar really is. Sugar is a tough one. Again, as you said, Lori, because it is ubiquitous and generally accepted. And so it's something that it, it's easily encouraged and is found in almost everything and especially processed foods. So that's a tough one. And of course, we may conquer that one. And as you as you were saying as well, well, we might just substitute and move on to another one because we all have addictive personalities to some degree. And so it's like the seeing a lot of drug addicts, they're able to sort of, they're doing the best they can to kick their drug habit and you see them chain smoking, and that's their new substitute because they're not, you know, allowing themselves to uh, go back to harder drugs. Uh, so we're always looking for a substitute. We're always looking to, of course, cover up some of the discomfort and the pain in the body that comes with emotions, because emotions essentially are energy under pressure, and we feel this suffering in the body. So of course, uh, this is where we're hurting, and this is where we want to cover up our pain in society has you know, really not taught us how to deal with emotions and pain very well. I mean, uh, that's something that we don't really learn in school or from our parents other than, oh, don't be a baby or toughen up or uh, you know, go cry in your room. Or even if it's, that's okay, you know, dear, have, you know, have a, have a, a lollipop or something and you'll feel better. So we, we, we do all of these things to avoid the body and the pain in the body and no one teaches us that what we have to do is go deeper into the body to sit with this to help release the suffering. And that's the bottom line. I mean, that the bottom line is we have these addictions and for anyone who says they don't, they will have some way to distract themselves from the pain, the discomfort, something. And it's always an emotional, it's an emotional trigger. Like it's always something, you know, it could be boredom. It could be, you know, and even the boredom, there'll be something underneath it or, you know, we, it's amazing how often, you know, we will soothe ourselves with something and it, you know, hmm, I want to say, you know, a lot of people, it's food related, whether it's something where we want to put to our mouth, like it's something, it's either food or cigarettes or like, it's always something that we want to put inside us. And a lot of it, again, is how we were raised as children, the socially acceptable way to reward ourselves. But that's just it. Like we it's it has become an epidemic in that, you know, we do it for everything. So if we're bored, we'll try and soothe ourselves. If we're lonely, we'll try and soothe ourselves. If we're, you know, if we're feeling an emotional discomfort, that's where we go first and that discomfort as you say the what emotions are the energy under pressure i mean it's it's our way of completely distracting ourselves and nothing that we do nothing that we take outside of ourselves and put inside is ever going to remove that discomfort it just pushes it away for just a little bit it's it's an amazing um problem that we've created that's so prevalent everywhere. We, no one wants to deal with that uncomfort, discomfort. Yes. In, in fact, it, it would be good 
good practice to begin to see discomfort as more of an ally than the enemy that we treat it as. And I understand why we treat discomfort that way, because it is very uncomfortable <laughs> to, to feel that way. That's why it's called discomfort. And it can be very painful. And, and, and if there are addictions involved, uh, or strong addictions involved, then of course, there's a biochemical component, which makes something even potentially more painful. But the basic discomfort is um, actually, to some degree, an ally. It is life, we can say. It's trying through the body, trying to tell you that you're out of alignment with your deeper natural state of being just here in the now. And the discomfort message is to say, really come back and give attention to the body, which is always also here in the now, to line up with your, your true nature, which is connected to all things. And so the discomfort is saying, come back home, come back to yourself. But instead, we, we run away from ourselves. We... We, even when we think we're doing something, that's the problem. We think we're doing something or, or conjuring up something, but being lost in thought keeps us in the conceptual or the abstract realm, and that actually dissociates us, dissociates us more from the body. So the discomfort, if we can learn to begin to see it as an ally, and often through meditations and just sitting with ourselves, we learn to sit with our feelings and emotions and discomfort and learn that it's really not as scary as we think it is to do so. And it's something we've never done, really, because we haven't been taught to do so in society. Right. So, okay. So your book is wonderful in teaching people how to, you know, really get in the body. But let's talk about those points where <clears throat> this is the time that you need to, you know, be more conscious and make a choice and have some... I don't know, some anchor to remind you that you're caught in your thinking ego mind and not um, and, and not reach out for something that's outside of ourselves that you think by putting inside of yourself, it's going to help you forget or alleviate. Like, I mean, it's amazing that that's what we do, but we all choose some vice. And like you said, we may try to get rid of one, but then we'll just pick up another one. It may be less harmful, maybe. Like, I think, you know, that's why, you know, people think that exercise because of the endorphins and, you know, that it's good for your heart and everything. But if it's an addiction, it's just as, I mean, it's just as stressful on the body. We know lots of men who, you know, they say, oh, but he was so healthy and he ran marathons and, you know, and, and yet he had a heart attack. Like we choose, it's like we have a vulnerability and then we try to find the right fit for the vulnerability. And, you know, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter what we're trying or thinking is better for us, we're still caught up in what can we do to fix this? Like, what can we do to change this? What can we do to heal this? When the thing we need to do <laughs> is, is inside, not outside, but we're always looking for, you know, the next, the next great fix for whatever, for weight loss, for, I mean, we're always looking outside. Yes. And even when we think we're looking inside, That's um, right we for the answer or for or, or that we're you know we often hear that you have to go within you have to go inside but what we do is we use 
the mind to do that when we are not familiar with the deeper levels of body awareness and meditation and presence. And so going within is work to comp contemplate my thoughts and my memories and my desires. And obviously there's some value to self-inquiry, but we have to realize that when we're doing that, we're not really going within, we're still with our thoughts. And if we're with our thoughts, we are out of alignment with the present moment, which creates the discomfort and which also encourages addictive behavior. And so we learn to, to truly what it means to go within is to really enter the deep, peaceful stillness of the here and now, and that takes some practice. But that going within uh, helps to quiet the mind and, we, and, and shut off the mind. And when the mind is shut off and not so compulsive, we're not producing addictive behaviors in response because, and this gets to the source and the root of this discussion today, the root of all addictions, all addictions, is our addiction to thought. That is the, the primary addiction that is the source of all other addictions uh, that we can have. And that is because we have come to be identified with what I call the voice in the head or the egoic voice. And because we've come, we've come to identify with our thoughts and emotional reactions to those thoughts, and we've made an identity out of them, we don't want to let them go because then we'd be letting go of our identity. And so it has become compulsive. And so we are constantly, obsessively uh, thinking and reacting, thinking and reacting, th believing that this is who we are with this voice in the head. And so this primary addiction then creates the conditions for us to see, and which creates discomfort in the body, because by doing this, we are entering the virtual realm, we are leaving the present moment, and the body responds with discomfort to say, come back to the here and now, come back to your true essence. And when we don't, we look outside of ourselves to cover up that discomfort, something to fill us up to, to take that discomfort away. But nothing outside of us, as you were saying, can fill up that hole. Only you can, you're, by giving attention to your true self. And so we end up with uh, looking for things. And, and what happens, of course, is there are some things. It could be sugar. It could be your text messages. It could be exercise. It could be food or alcohol or drink or power or anything. They, they temporarily alleviate the discomfort, and so we go back to them again and again, but it's short-lived. It only is right after you are, you are satisfied uh, temporarily with uh, receiving or acquiring a certain thing in, in, in the world outside of you. It temporarily, for a few minutes or a few hours, alleviates the discomfort, and then the discomfort comes back again because that body high by taking whatever that substance or activity in goes away and we're left once again with the truth, which is we are, we are out of alignment with reality and then we have to seek that thing again and again to try and fill up the discomfort and it eventually becomes just as compulsive and addictive as the root addiction, which is thought. Right. So what, okay, so explain kind of what the thought process is, like how does that lead to, to addiction like how does our addiction to thought like our is because we're not in our body but like what are the thoughts going like is it a thought going on is it something that we're just not like what is it explain that as, as well as you can okay what is interesting is the actual details of the thought ah, take aren't, us out. <laughs> yeah aren't actually um that important i mean it could be you know i'm not good enough i'm ashamed i'm embarrassed 
Obviously, these negative thoughts make things worse. It increases discomfort in the body uh, and makes us reach out to the only place that the thinking mind understands, which is the world around us. It doesn't understand our inner life. Uh, the, 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 me in, the, the me voice in the head does not understand our true inner life, our, this true inner world, this world of peace and presence that we've been discussing. Uh, so it reaches out for anything around it, any activity or any substance uh, to try and alleviate the, disc the discomfort. And of course, if there are negative, um, if there's negative self-talk, which is very common, um, because our thinking is dysfunctional and we keep reacting to our thoughts again and again, it's very hard to maintain positive thoughts. We uh, keep feeling discomfort again and again, and we're more likely to have a lot of negative thoughts, and that makes it worse. But, as I was saying, it actually the details of, the, of what we're thinking is, are, are not as important as the very fact that we are compulsively thinking about anything. It doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. It's the act of compulsively thinking because we identified with that voice in the head. When we can't switch off our minds, that is, that is when you have no control over that, that is the, the essence, the epitome of an addiction. It's something you have absolutely no control over. And we have no control in our society, in our world, over uh, our thoughts over and our reaction, emotional reactions to our thoughts. It is completely compulsive and out of our control. That is the definition of addiction. And so doesn't matter so much what the details of what we think, but we have this compulsive tendency, and we are obviously then reacting by looking outside of ourselves to alleviate the discomfort constantly. What can fulfill me? What can you know, <clears throat> puff up my ego and make me feel good? What substance can I take that will affect the biochemical reactions in my body to alleviate the discomfort with a little, a little rush or a little high? Um, anything to escape that discomfort. And so... When we find something that sort of works, maybe for a few minutes or a few hours, we go back to it again and again um, to cover it up because we have no other permanent solutions because society does not teach us any permanent solutions to quiet the mind and find something deeper within us that is uh, our natural essence is free of addiction. And so we can't find it, so we look outside of ourselves constantly and we go back to those substances or events or relationships or experiences keep filling up that feeling of discomfort or emptiness or pain. Okay. I, I get it. I think what I was, I, what I was thinking, which obviously you're right. Absolutely. Was that, you know, at what point can people sort of, I don't know, like get themselves out of that place. Like at what point can we sort of be more conscious of when you're about to go into that but I guess it's whenever we're thinking, really, because once we're thinking, we have no, we're not consciously in control or in charge of how we're responding to our thoughts. Yes, this is, this is would be, we're getting into, you know, mindfulness uh, meditation. That's something we can practice all day. Uh, it can be as simple as all day with a little post-it notes on your computer or phone or on your walls or mirrors saying, am I here? Uh, to going online to or on, on uh, onto your mobile device to download um, um, applications uh, which like, they have meditation bell timers or reminders that can every few minutes buzz or chime to remind you to shift back your attention to your body and your surroundings and feel this moment 
drop out of your thoughts and you do that all day. Or it could be when you're holding a cup of coffee and you feel the heat and the texture of the cup. You feel your body moving. Whatever it is you're doing, you return to the sensory awareness of the moment because that quiets your thought process. And when it quiets the mind, it quiets the addiction maker. And over time, um, the biochemical um, aspect of addiction, if it is a biochemical addiction, uh, in terms of uh, things like food, drugs, alcohol, etc., like that, um, that will settle down, and then you're just dealing with the, the, the root cause of addiction, which is the compulsive thinking. And mindfulness meditation, any type of meditation or body awareness that brings you back to the present moment will sever that connection uh, with uh, the outside world being the solution to alleviating your discomfort inside. So in a sense, some of our addictions are really to wake us up. Like some of our addictions, if we if the if the world wasn't always promoting, um, well, no, some of them don't really help us wake up. But at the same time, that they're there. Like if mm, it's like if you can get to the hit the bottom of that, what the addiction does to you, that if you could hit that and actually be aware like it could be your place to go okay i am not in my body i mean i mean i think you know some people can get completely unconscious when they're drinking too much or um taking too much but when you're at that place maybe that's the t- i mean in some ways that makes your body feel so uncomfortable that it's also part of the healing process but it's really not about you know getting the next diet, fad diet, or, um, like, it's almost like the addiction could help us become more aware, but it's kind of a mixed way of going around it, but. Yes, yes, I I see what you're saying, Laurie. It's, um, if you were actually to switch between addictions, it might be more apparent that anything else wouldn't work. When we're kind of stuck in one addiction, it's kind of, becoming like the song says comfortably numb and we're also and we're also numb to our deeper essence we're numb to our body awareness we're numb to the present moment and we're a little bit foggy brained and we can't really uh it it takes a lot to um maybe to hit rock bottom potentially before we can wake up and realize this addiction this particular path to alleviate discomfort and numb us is not working and when we switch you know and hop from addiction to addiction um, so to speak, it could be from well, exercise to you know drinking more coffee or to a different diet or something else. Well, it's like what happens is, you know, we have really low energy. So what do we do? We'll take something to stimulate us. Then we're too stimulated and then we need to take something to relax us. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's like that jumping from addiction to addiction because the one addiction is causing one problem and then, then we go to something else to alleviate that. Like... But what we're not realizing is that each one of those moments, we have a choice to realize what the real problem is. Yes, and that is the the importance of uh, deep body awareness. Um, Because if we can really get into our bodies, that's something we do have control over. And it can be a scary experience when we felt a lot of pain and discomfort over the years. And so we've been conditioned to not look into our bodies where the emotions are and the pain is to deal with something but with gentle practice we become more and more confident and reassured that our bodies are a pretty safe place to be 
and when we go deeper, even below some of the, the surface discomfort, we find a place of permanent peace and ease. And um, and that's always there. It's there right now. Whoever's listening, it doesn't matter how much suffering you have in your life or pain, there is a place deep within you that is always at ease and always peaceful. It is your deepest nature. And with practice, we can cultivate this presence to go within the body, which quiets the mind. And then this peace grows and emerges much more strongly. And it's much easier to feel under any conditions. And this is one of the things um, that really has to become basic for all of humanity to really go within um, the body, to quiet the mind and discover this peace. And the more we do it, the more we realize there is a safe space within from which we can deal with anything. We, and the longer we rest there, the more powerful it becomes. And all of a sudden, all of our surface problems and addictions and, and, and pain become uh, really more just like ripples on the surface. And they have less and less power uh, over our lives. And ultimately, then they have less and less addictive power over our lives as well. Right. Right. It's, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting the sense of how, um, how important it is. I mean, it's, it's, which is, goes back to what I was saying is anybody who thinks they don't have an addiction, trust me, somewhere at some point, um, we all do something to ease the discomfort. And it could be, I mean, it really can be anything. It could be TV. It could be, you know, those things that we do to numb ourselves out, to to not think and and to, well, we think it's to give us a break. But really, TV, I mean, all those things are really overstimulants instead of understimulants. Um, they're not allowing us to go in our body. They're not helping us in any way. But for brief moments and then of course if it is sugar or if it is a drug I mean eventually it has to get more and more for it to do the effect that you're looking for and that's when it you know that's when it becomes then it becomes less and less effective which then we you know we look for something else and and for people that don't understand those who have drug addiction or but you know, it's really just a matter of, you know, and those people that we, we judge so harshly and really imagine how painful or what it is within them that they are trying to avoid must be so much worse than, than, you know, we, we give them credit for. Like, I mean, we try and we do these things to numb out those uncomfortable emotions so imagine what must have happened in someone's life that they had to you know resort to you know drugs to forget I mean it's it's that kind of thought process it's that kind of I mean we all have addictions in it if you're trying like if you think you don't like just give either one of us a call and we'll let you know where it is that you are sort of, uh, you know, what what you're using to numb out the pain. Because bottom line, as Christopher keeps saying, what we've never been taught is how to deal with the actual discomfort in our body, to deal with that emotion that is um, under pressure in our body. Yes, and it's a wonderful point, too, about um, 
having some compassion uh, compassion for for those we, it's very easy well what's the matter why can't you just do this or do that and we all have they can have that impatience and judgment for others and one of the powers of finally really consciously and deliberately entering your own path to awakening awakening to your true nature which is always here and now and eternal and always peaceful incredibly wise and compassionate um, I lost my train of thought, but um, basically, this path um, really helps us develop a great humility. Yeah. Because uh, on this path, we begin to see our own addictions. Because right now, for those, oh, I don't really have an addictive personality, and it's actually something I personally said. On the surface, I never really had an addictive personality, but through my, you know, my spiritual path, we call it, discovering who we really are inside, beyond the voice in the head and our beliefs and our reactions, you realize how compulsive our thinking is and what these thoughts make you do. And you don't have, you have not developed that power of the pause. The meditation and mindfulness help you develop that power of the pause so you don't automatically reach for the cookie or reach for the hurt feeling, hurt emotional feeling in the body or how you've been victimized again because someone did something. Um, we have that power of the pause to kind of just let some of those knee-jerk automatic um, impulses that are actually part of our hardwiring, biologically speaking, um, to pass and we can just find ways of breathing and staying in the body and let the, the more powerful urges pass and more deeply rest in the moment and not blindly and compulsively uh, reach out for something to cover up the discomfort. Instead, we go deeper into the body. We don't run away from the body. We go deeper into it to find what we're really looking for, which is the alleviation of that discomfort. And um, going to spiritual retreats or just practicing mindfulness techniques all day, like I have some of the techniques in my book, um, you become to realize, for example, just how difficult it is to stop the voice in the head from chattering. That is a compulsive voice. That is, in a sense, an addiction. And if you are responding to that voice, which invariably you are, then you're responding in an addictive way to something around you in the outside world. It could be any type of relationship you have with a person, an object, or an event. There is some kind of an addiction, to at very least your self-image of how you want to project yourself to the world and how you want people to perceive you or accept you. There is an addictive quality to that. It's being pumped up and, and feel good, whether it's by compliment or just looking for a thumbs up like on Facebook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And all you have to do is, is do that or put down, you know, all of your technology for a day. That's what we, we do at spiritual retreats often. We will spend a few days in silence and there's no connection or no contact with your mobile phones, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, this dear. New gener in this, yeah, and this, <laughs> this new generation, maybe the under 40s, but even over 40s, um, it's so tied to their technology that it, they come to realize, wow, I really do have an addiction here. <laughs> this is so difficult. They go through withdrawal. They go through withdrawal symptoms, you know, sometimes as strong as, as, as the strong biochemical uh, reactions we have to sugar or, or alcohol or drugs. And it's very surprising and very humbling. Uh, they get frustrated, but that's also very humbling. And they begin to appreciate and respect those who've had more traditional addictions for a long time and realize, no, it is not so easy. And that's, that was part of the point you were going to make about, um, you know, being, 
not judging people, having more compassion for those. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which you brought it back and, okay. you know, answered, <laughs> but it's true. Like we, we, we tend to judge others harshly when it comes to addictions. We kind of, we can see their addictions. I mean, that's the thing with almost everything. We can see someone else's addiction much easier than we can see our own, yes. uh, unless it's something very obvious. But it, like we, we do have a tendency to be, you know, very critical. It's like, I don't know, I, I want to always bring it back to the Bible somewhere at some point, you know, we've been given a green light to judge others and think that, you know, they, you know, because of, because of the Bible, because of the way it has been interpreted, um, you know, it was a way to use fear and manipulation as a control mechanism um, that we, you know, somehow have believed we can play God and we can judge others and think that, you know, that this is somehow okay. And I've never really understood that, but we certainly all partake in it. Um, but that compassionate aspect. I mean, just imagine what somebody else's life had to have been like for this to happen. I mean, that's where I usually go when, especially if it's a woman that's created a, had a crime or something, I always go, wow, like what happened in her life? But see, it's funny because I will always have more compassion for the woman than I will the man. But you know, it's, it's all the same. Like we all kind of have that, um, you know, we judge, we, it's like, we think it's okay to judge. And, and we're always judging ourselves. I mean, we are definitely our worst critic. But when it comes to seeing stuff outside of us, we're, it's much easier to see other people and to see that aspect than it is to allow those uncomfortable feelings within us. Like we can get so angry at the outside world for, you know, for all of these things that we, you know, judge them for. And it's crazy, but we don't realize, you know, how much damage we're doing inside by you know, not acknowledging, accepting our own things, our own flaws, our own, our, what we, what we define as imperfection, which, you know, is perfect because it allows us to get to whatever place we need to get. Like we don't, we forget to be as compassionate with others as we can be com and can be compassionate with ourselves. Like we're just, we're such a fear-based, um, we're all in such a fear-based place most of the time that we're not realizing um, just how harsh we are to everyone around us as, and even more harsh to ourselves. That kind of thing was the point I was thinking I was trying to get. <laughs> no, it's a wonderful point, Lori. And, Allow me to be the one-trick pony that I am, the broken record that keeps bringing it always back to the same thing, whether we're speaking of judgment or compassion or addiction. The root cause of all of these things are, is the same thing. It's this compulsive uh, identification with the voice in the head and, of course, the resultant emotional reactions in the body. It's all part of this me we make, and it is compulsive. And this, by, by keeping the mind constantly working, um, our thoughts do become much more negative and critical and it's, it's a dysfunctional thing to be, and it produces discomfort in the body. And it also, it blocks us from our deeper nature, which is, uh, which possesses a sense of sacred interconnection with all other forms, all other people, events, objects. That sense of interconnection, sense of oneness 
is what produces empathy and compassion. It is the source of empathy and compassion. When we have compassion, we basically have the capacity to step out of ourselves and feel at some level some kind of affinity or connection with another form, another object, another uh, event, a relationship, another person. Most likely it's going to be a person. Um, when we're judging, um, that's something we can't really help doing so much because the judgment machine is, of course, again, this thinking mind. It is designed to help us get from point A to point B and to discriminate between, you know, um, as I say in the book, bricks for building and grapes for eating. We have to make distinctions. We have to compare and contrast and analyze and uh, learn from uh, learn from the, th- the, uh, the things that we observe in the world and, and categorizing them. But because our voice is compulsive and we can never put down this compulsive voice in the head, um, it becomes a much more fierce critic and towards ourselves and towards others. It becomes this strongly judgmental thing as opposed to something that's just supposed to merely discriminate between, oh, okay, that's that, and this is this. It becomes instead of, oh, that is that, and I am definitely not this. It becomes this very harsh judging thing towards ourselves and towards others, all because we can't put the mind down. We lose our connection of sense of oneness, which is the source of compassion and empathy, all because we cannot put down this compulsive voice in the head. And we acquire all of these addictions, trying to cover up the discomfort in our bodies, all because we cannot put down this voice in the head. So there's there's a connection. Uh, and so sometimes I, 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 I laugh at myself thinking, you know, as a, as a spiritual teacher, I'm this one-trick pony because everything goes back to one one source and, and uh, in one sense. And yet it's also, it should be for your listeners and all of us, reassuring and comforting. Yeah. There is an answer to these things. There is an answer and we have control. We have the the only ones that can feel our own bodies is us. We have the power to change this, and we don't have to believe anyone else or, or seek anything else out. We can all do this ourselves, and it takes some courage. And it is a very simple thing, but I understand it is not easy. But please be reassured and comforted by the fact that there is an answer to these things, and we can do this. It has been done, and I am living proof that it can be done. There you go. Okay, so let's do, let's, let's offer an example, give people a meditation. So the next time you go to reach for something outside of yourself, whatever that is, um, to soothe, let's, uh, let's offer um, an alternative so that we can actually get into the body. So let whatever it is, whether it's, you know, soothing an emotion or, distracting yourself from something or it's always about the mind so christopher one about 15 minutes if that's okay okay wherever you are listening just allow the chair or the mattress or the floor to take all of your weight allow yourself to sink into that place you are resting upon represents the physical intention to accept and surrender to the here and now, to your true nature. You'll notice that this whole time you've been listening to this conversation, your body 
your abdomen has been rising and falling with every breath. It has been doing this since the day you were born. And when you turn your attention to this sensation of movement in the body, you are beginning to turn your attention to the present moment. Because your body is always here in the present moment, even though you are often lost in thought. Feel the rise and fall of your abdomen with every breath. You may also notice that your inhales are a little bit cooler than your exhales. Just turn your attention to the sensation in your nose and your throat. The inhale is often a little cooler. And the exhale is a little warmer. might notice your body is feeling a little bit more relief because you are finally giving it the attention that it really wants from you. So you may notice your abdomen expanding below the navel, a nice full breath. A sigh of relief in the body. Your body doesn't really want all of the food or the drugs or the entertainment and distractions that you offer it. It accepts them because your body loves you. But what your body really wants is your full attention, what it has always wanted. And it's feelings of discomfort that we run away from and pain that we run away from it's understandable. I think it's safer to move away from the body because pain hurts. And when we were younger, we didn't understand. We had no other way of coping. But now that we're older, now we're coming to understand that the body has been asking for more of your felt attention, not less. So we feel the soothing rising and falling of the abdomen with every breath. We feel the coolness of our inhale and the abdomen rising and expanding. And the abdomen gently falls we feel the warmth in the exhale. And because we're trying to do the technique properly, 
is this right? Am I doing it right? Is this okay? The body produces tension, interpreting even this relaxation as an activity. So check your body now for unnecessary tension. How are your toes? Are they clenched or are they relaxed? Check your ankles. Uncross your ankles. Check your knees and your thighs to see if they can be more relaxed than they are. Is your pelvis locked? Are you allowing it to sink deeply into the seat or floor you are resting upon? Surrender to the earth. It is always there to ground you and take you into her arms. Is there unnecessary tension in your solar plexus or your back? Check your shoulders and your neck and relax them if they need to be more relaxed. Let them sink into the place you are resting upon. Our intention to physically surrender to the here and now. Your arms should not be crossed or your hands clenched. Relax them because all of that unnecessary tension is just fuel for the mind to keep churning and chattering, which blocks your awareness of your true, peace-filled, compassionate nature, which blocks your capacity for compassion and empathy, and which blocks your capacity to ease your addictions. We relax the jaw and the tongue our brow is furrowed because we're concentrating so hard, we relax the forehead and the brow. Just see if you can feel the aliveness in your body. There's always a sensation beneath all of our discomfort. It's a pure sensation of a vibrant aliveness. You simply feel that you are alive compared to what you are resting upon. Where do you begin and the object supporting you end? Can you really feel a division between your body and its aliveness and what you are resting upon? We scan our body to feel the aliveness that's there. We feel its movement, constantly in movement our entire lives, just by the act of breathing. And we can be comforted in the knowledge that we're finally giving our body what it has always wanted, not our addictive treats and distractions.
but loving, quiet attention from you. All of our muscles relaxed, our breathing full and free. If we have visualizations in our head or thoughts about this is silly or am I doing it right, it's okay. Drop out of your thoughts and just go back to your body. It's not so easy because our thinking is an addiction. It is compulsive. That's okay, that's the way it is. We are learning to free ourselves of the addiction maker, the source of all addictions. If we do so, by waking up to a true nature, we can free ourselves of all other addictions we have. So we constantly check for tension every few moments and unclench our muscles more deeply so we do not give fuel to the thinking mind we feel the movement of breath in our nose and throat and chest we feel its temperature and the rising and falling of our abdomen we feel the simple aliveness in our body a vibrant feeling of simply being alive, especially compared to what we are resting upon. That pure sensation of being alive is your anchor, is your bridge to your true self. It contains no thought, no need, no desire, no fear or regret. Pure sensation of being alive. And if you are feeling very comfortable and at peace now, just bask in that feeling. Immerse yourself in the sensations. And any time the mind comes up with a thought or an image, drop out of your head and back into your body and stay with, keep your awareness and stay with your body awareness. Stay with the felt sensations in your body. And for those of you that feel a little discomfort, doing this exercise, you can always note where the discomfort is. It may be in, in the torso, in the head, that's often where we feel pain or discomfort. And you can simply notice it as energy under pressure. There's no need to label it as betrayal or shame or guilt or abandonment or discomfort or fear. Simply as pressure. Is it hot or cold? Does it move in circles or up or down? Does it feel stuck? Simply rest your attention lovingly and observing the physical sensation of pressure or whatever emotional discomfort there is. When you observe it for a moment and it feels too much, you can move to the peripheries of your body with your attention. You can feel the back of your knees or your fingers or toes. 
and notice there's still a feeling of aliveness there. And so you are now reassured you are not the suffering that's often happening in your torso or head. And then you rest a moment in the extremities of your body and you can return safely to the discomfort. And you may notice it has dissipated. You can periodically move back and forth between the core of your trauma or discomfort to the peripheries of your body or even noticing the silence around you in the place you are in. And then safely return back to the core of your body with your attention. Because the more you can rest your loving attention without fear on whatever trauma or discomfort there is, the more you create space around that discomfort and it begins to dissipate. And you develop confidence over time that you have never been your trauma, you have never been your pain, So now for all of us at peace or a little uncomfortable, take some deep breaths. Keep the muscles relaxed. You can maybe wiggle your fingers and toes a little bit to bring yourself back. But again, if you've been pretty present, you'll notice that you haven't gone too far away and you don't have too far to come back. The eyes open and notice how the mind wants to begin chattering again, engaging. But notice you can just close them one more time and return to that feeling of soothing comfort in the body. And be reassured that the more you do this exercise, the closer you are to freeing yourself from all addictions. Just be patient with yourself and gentle, but be earnest in your commitment to doing the one thing that only you in the universe can do, which is feel your own body which is all your body has ever wanted, for you to fully and deeply feel it so that you can discover your true nature once again. Namaste, everyone. At the deepest level, we are all one. Namaste. That's beautiful. You know, I really, I, you know, I'm going to, take this meditation out. But I mean, I really think that, you know, people listening to the show and understanding just how significant and how powerful this really is, um, will really benefit from it. And, you know, I love having you on the show, Christopher, I look forward to next month. Um, We'll pick something equally exciting, I'm sure. And uh, but, you know, you're not a one horse pony, you just you have (laughs) the absolute truth that will that will help set some people free. So I so appreciate having you on the show and love having um, you assist us. So you can find Christopher. What's your website, Christopher? Um, website is youarepeace.org. 
And if I can just add quickly, yep. today is the supposed to be, I haven't gone to any bookstores yet, the first day that Peace and Where to Find It is available everywhere in North America on bookshelves. Yay. So this is a, <laughs> a, one to mention that. Yay, perfect. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yay, it's out. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And Thanks. you've been listening to News to the Heart, and we've been getting to the heart of what matters. Thanks again, Christopher, and stay tuned for next week. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.